better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Friday episode of the show. Kyle, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday here on the show. Just got done with a splendiferous trivia night, which we uh, nailed down a majority of the Rocks films for his career. We hit 142, 143 of 152 400-yard passers in the decade of the 2010s. Uh, Chris tricked me into some bird trivia that I dispute some of the results of. And we did one more. What was it? Uh, the Heisman? The, yes, Heisman yeah. Trophy winners that went on to become number one overall picks. And we got everything prior to 1978. Yeah. And I'll one, take it. One that was before 1978, but, you know, Shuby and spelling of Horning. Yeah, Horning, Paul Horning. Didn't work out well. Chris, are you with us? I'm here, gentlemen. How are we doing Hello. today? Hello. It's good to see you. Happy Friday. Yes. Happy Friday to you as well. Yeah, great trivia night. I'm having fun with those. I'm having fun trying to find uh, quizzes that will stump you guys a little bit. Yeah. So we are continuing and, and finishing our series on evaluating the scenarios that these first-round quarterbacks from the 2021 NFL draft were inserted into and taking a look at the coaching, the quarterback room, the run game, the offensive line, the pass catchers, and the defense. And Kyle and I are grading each of those categories on a scale of one to five, one being a fail for the quarterback, five being perfect, and three being average. And so we've done Lawrence and Wilson and Fields and Lance to this point. We're closing things off with Mac Jones. And Kyle looks pretty good. Yeah, this is uh, this one's going to be the litmus test, right? Of situation versus skill, and I think you look at the physical skill of the quarterbacks who went in front of Mac Jones, and there's no question that they fit the mold better of what you've seen translate with swiftness and ease, or not ease, but with swiftness to the NFL level. As far as being athletes and winning outside of structure and all those things, the quarterbacks who went early in this draft have those dynamics. And I would argue, so it, to a certain degree, Mac Jones does not and like does not have a ceiling of untapped potential there. Uh, but he's coming into a phenomenal situation, which we're going to get into, starting first and foremost, Joe, with the coaching staff. And I look at this situation, and for me, it's very simple. How long has Josh McDaniels been the offensive play caller for the New England Patriots? 18 years. Right. I mean, we had the little bump in the road with Denver there, mm-hmm. uh, interruption, service interruption, and then he's been back for a decade. And you have arguably the most successful head coach in the history of the game, the greatest defensive mastermind in the history of the game, Bill Belichick, is your head coach. I don't care what it – like, there's nothing else – no other questions need to be answered here. This is a five out of five. Yeah. If I wanted to poke a hole, I might say something about them not having a specific quarterbacks coach. I I don't know, man. That's nitpicking. I, I also gave it a five. What more can you ask for than Bill Belichick? And it's not just like, I know for some of these coaches, we've been able to say, well, it's a defensive-minded coach. We're not 
exactly sure how much he really can help this young quarterback, but we know from following Belichick for mm-hmm. ever now, it feels like that he does have a hand in game planning and talking to that quarterback and working through things situationally. And Belichick's the goat, man. And and um, having that, especially coming off of working under Nick Saban, I think it's going to be a really seamless transition for Jones in terms of the coaching dynamic and and what he's getting into. It, it's uh, it's it's a five. Yeah, and I, I, the my answer to the lack of a quarterbacks coach, Joe, would be if you remember when they had guys like Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo who were there and they had formal assistant coaches, those guys talked about uh, Josh McDaniels was effectively Tom Brady's quarterbacks coach because they were together <laughs> for so yeah. long that like McDaniels and Brady worked separate from Brissett and Jerry Shaplinsky and Garoppolo and Jerry Shaplinsky, who was the uh, assistant quarterbacks coach at the time, because the lingo and verbiage that was being used was like, Hey, we're working with 15 years of experience <laughs> together versus, Hey, yeah. you're a second year player. Yeah. So like McDaniels can do that. And he has done that. And he did that with Brady when Brady was still there in new England. So yes, it's notable, but at the same time, I think it's inconsequential in the big picture for this. Yeah. All right. So the quarterback room along with Mac Jones includes Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, and Jared Stidham. Kyle, I really like this mix of quarterbacks, and Cam and Mac Jones couldn't be more opposite stylistically and Mm -hmm. probably from a personality perspective, but one thing that I do know about Cam Newton is he's a great teammate, and he's somebody that brings a lot of energy to the table, and you know he's already calling him Mac and Cheese, right? He's got a nickname for everybody on the team. And so while it's not like (laughs) there's a – stylistic comparison where Jones can replicate the things that Newton does. I do think he's a really good guy to have in the room for Mac Jones, especially when you consider that Brian Hoyer is also in this room who has had a ton of time in this McDaniel system, knows the ins and outs of what it, what it's like to be on a a Patriots roster and be a backup quarterback. And obviously at this point in his career, 35 years old. He's not going to be a starter. He certainly understands his role. And I think that he'll be a major asset to Mac Jones. And then I also like uh, that they do have a guy like Jared Stidham in this room, who's a young quarterback that's got a lot to prove and is hungry and, you know, is somewhat of a relatable peer that does have some time in the system under his belt. So I like the makeup of this room, a lot of different types of people that I think can help Mac in a lot of different ways. So I'm giving this actually a four and a half. Uh, I gave this a good grade as well. I gave it a three and a half. Um, I think the biggest thing that I do get stuck up on is the difference in play between Cam and Mac. And there's going to be certain play packages that Cam has at his disposal that Mac just simply won't, right? You're not going to run the QB run game. Right. And I do think that detracts a little bit from his mentorship, not from being somebody that Matt can study film with, but more so just like Cam, if he's playing, is going to be focused on the full body of his game plan. And then maybe my opinion changes a little bit 
if we get to the season and Mac Jones is starting right away because and then it's like, okay, we're not spending time on install during the week going over packages that Mac Jones is not going to be asked to run. Yeah. Um, what, do you th- what do you think about them playing both quarterbacks? Do you think that's something that <laughs> well, what was the best thing this team did last year offensively? Run the ball with Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. What was the worst thing they did offensively? Throw the ball with Cam Newton. And I know that it's definitely a tip if you start switching these guys around, but can you still generate some offensive production with Cam as a runner, but you still have to do some throwing with him or else there's too much of a you know, a specialization that you kind of know what's coming? I, mm-hmm. I'd tap into it, man. I'd be willing to try it if I were New England. You're a monster. And now I, sure. I'm going to lose sleep over it well, because I I'm going to think have, about that. Oh. And well, yeah, you don't play in week one. Oh damn! So yeah, oh damn! <laughs> Second straight year. Oh damn! Right. I'm sure we'll see tons of Cam in the red zone and mm-hmm. just add the extra gap. And all right, here you go. Go ahead and shut it down if you can. Nope. Not flying blind. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious I flavors? I did know this. There is something for everyone, Kyle. This. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream. So many great flavors, but hey, maybe you don't know where to start. Get yourself a mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. You could try them all and figure out what you like best. Sometimes I get the mixed box just so that uh, I can be reminded of all the flavors because I honestly like them all. Uh, not only are these Built Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros. We have 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar per bar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. You want to try Built Bars? Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15. It'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so now we're going to examine the offensive line for the New England Patriots, and um, they got it's some good. big – Physical blockers, Isaiah Wynn at left tackle. Michael Onwenu kicks over to left guard. David Andrews back at center. Shaq Mason, a total stud at right guard. And Trent Brown comes over from the Raiders uh, to a a place where he had a lot of success in his prior stint with the Patriots. Now, big physical dudes, it it really speaks to the type of rush offense that they want to be. You mentioned the, the additional gaps and Part of that is because these guys are good on the move and they just move bodies, man. And, um, you know, the wild card's probably the health of Isaiah Wynn, who's had an issue staying healthy. Uh, but that's about the only question I have about this offensive line. And um, collectively, it's really, really good. And it's something that Mac Jones should have a lot of comfort coming into and operating behind. I give this a four. I also gave it a four. Um, do you have your notes up for what you gave the other lines across the league? Yeah. Uh, what did you? What was the highest you gave? San Francisco with a what? Ah, you see, you baited me into this. Four and a half, actually, for San Francisco. Okay, I gave them all. I also gave them a four, so I gave both the same grade. Yeah. So I was just kind of curious how that stuck up, stuck up to your other top grade. Yeah, well, I also had, and I know that we disagreed on this, and I don't want to rehash that conversation. But I had, I had Jacksonville at a four as well. well let's so, have that conversation. Well, I, so that's why I said you baited me into it because you probably <laughs> remembered that. And well, I did. Okay, to I a man. Didn't. To a man, uh, the Patriots' offensive line is better. Um, it, but as you know, I, I bought into the uh, all five being back for New England. And, yeah. um, that piece of, or excuse me, for Jacksonville. For continuity's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I feel a lot better knowing that we've seen what Trent Brown looks like in this offense, right? Because if mm-hmm. Trent Brown was 
the Raiders version of Temp- Trent Brown or the San Francisco version of Trent Brown, like you'd have a little bit more questions and skepticism, right? And say, okay, mm-hmm. well, and when you was a rookie last year, smaller sample size, new position, uh, Trent Brown, right, right. Like you could poke enough holes to kind of say, yeah. hey, you know, maybe, maybe there's enough weak links here. But knowing what Trent Brown looked like the last time he was with New England, like they're gonna be just fine up front. They're they're gonna maul you up front. It's gonna look a lot like what it did at Alabama as far as the <laughs> trench, right? The trench yeah. game and winning the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So run game, Kyle, obviously we talked about this offensive line. Your thoughts on this collection of running backs? Uh, So I think the thing that stands out the most to me is we are projecting a little bit who takes the featured role. It's got to be Harris, man. You're anticipating, right, but we are projecting that. We don't know that for sure. And when we do look at this group, Damian Harris, James White, Sony Michelle, Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor, like, they're going to have a really solid committee. But the talent at running back is less impressive to me than the talent on the offensive line. But I think those pieces complement each other well. And if they do go with Damian Harris, he's going to hit all the singles and doubles in the world, right? Like, he's not going to be a home run hitter. He's not going to be consistently ripping off 40-plus yard runs. But if you give him six yards, he's going to finish that run with eight and a half. Like, period. And, like, you can live with that. And I think that reliability uh, is going to be really helpful. I think having an an accomplished receiving back or a change of pace back in James White and then having depth with another physical runner and a guy that you just drafted in Ramondre Stevenson, I gave the running game in its entirety, including the offensive line, a four out of five. I think it's really good. Do I think it's elite? No, you don't have an elite talent. You don't have a, a running back that you can turn to and give the ball to 25 times if you need to because the opposing pass defense is, is jumping all over your throws and so on and so forth. But I think even without the Cam Newton dynamic of them running the football, never mind the fact that they also have Hunter Henry in here at tight end now to help with the run game on the edge, uh, I gave it a four out of five. I think it's going to be really good this year. Yeah, I've also – Given it a four, offensive line speaks for itself. It's it's an it's an offensive line that's geared towards blasting open holes and mm-hmm. really consistent downhill runners. I, I mean, it's the type of thing where you kind of you, you can envision this group collectively being able to control games, and, and even in situations where they may not be able to have the firepower with you know explosive plays in the run game or you know super dynamic wide receivers they can embrace a clock control style of game. And when you think about going up against high powered offenses, that's something that you're, they're going to be able to lean into and you know, they're going to want to. Well, this is going to be, and we alluded to this before last year as well, but I think even more so with a non running threat at the quarterback position, it's going to be the 2002 Patriots all over again, right? It's opportunistic defense, Hard nose. We're going to win football games 14 to 10, or we're going to try and limit the amount of possessions in the game. They're, they are going to play, play play games close to the vest because that's what their personnel lends itself to. And was it McVay? And of course, we're, we're bringing up flying coach here <laughs> can't, again. Can't stop, right? Um, but he talked with Shanahan about 
all the different kinds of ways that you can win games in the NFL. And he alluded to there being no style points. And that's a saying that you hear a lot. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, like there are fans of teams that get mad if you win 24 to 20 because they, they want you to win by multiple scores and and keep going and put the foot on the throat, blow them out. And we didn't score enough points and it's going to be a problem going forward one week at a time. Right. right. Just just play it one week at a time. And I guarantee you, New England might just railroad some teams and run them over in the run game. But they're going to run the ball. They're going to play action pass. And that's how they're probably going to try and manufacture a lot of their chunk gains in the passing game. Uh, they're going to be problematic in the red zone if Cam Newton does play kind of a rotational role, assuming Mac Jones gets into the game they're not going to put 35 points on the board every single time. But with their defense, they're probably going to give up 17 to 18 points a game. So let's say let's race to 20. And if we race to 20 and we limit the possessions, now all of a sudden we can cut this game down. Each team's going to have two possessions in the fourth quarter. We stop them twice. It's game over. That's how they're going to do it. Moving on to the pass catchers now. Obviously, you have to love the tight ends here, and John U. Smith and Hunter Henry. Always they, a big fan of tight ends. Well, they 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 are too, and uh, they paid a lot of money, the most guaranteed money ever in the history of the NFL given to a tight end. Number one, John U. Smith. Number two, Hunter Henry. They're, they're paying a pretty penny for these guys. They wanted them. Yep. Big time receiving back in James White. But if you noticed, I kept the wide receivers for the end because you're talking about a top three of Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, that's that's better than what they had last year, but that's not that's not a super dynamic group. There's a lot of inconsistency with that trio, and you know, there's certainly no nobody there that you think is all right, a legitimate number one wide receiver. So they're they're building their passing game a little bit differently, which is interesting because Mac Jones, it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was throwing the ball to tight ends like crazy at Alabama, and it wasn't because he didn't have good ones. I mean, it, this was about. Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and John Mechie, and I don't blame them, right? Like those are good players, but stylistically, it's going to be a different. It's going to be a different emphasis in the passing game here. I like it in some ways, and I don't like it in some ways. I'm giving this a three. I gave it a three as well. Uh, I do think it's fascinating that we saw the the struggles in transition that Tua Tungvaloa had coming from Alabama to play with the Dolphins. And let me ask you this, Joe. You look at what the Dolphins had last year with (laughs) their wide receiver group, with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams when he was healthy, Mike Gusecki, Miles Gaskin out of the backfield. How does that group compare in your mind to this group that we have here in New England? I feel a lot better about the the ability to separate with the Patriots group. And and that's not, that's not saying I love these guys as separators, but I know that Aguilar's got some, some juice and he's a guy that can win down the field. And and certainly that was probably the best thing Mac Jones did is throw the nine route. So, you know, that's going to be on the table. And then, you know, Jacoby Myers, not super dynamic in terms of athleticism, but I really like his route running. And that was something that popped to me when I studied him at NC state and I think that he can uncover in the intermediate area of the field. And and those Dolphins players, you know, they're all guys that make a living on contested catches. And so I, I think from 
again, I, I, I no disrespect to the Dolphins, but they set a pretty low bar here with the receivers they had for Tua last year, and they no, certainly I agree corrected, because, because they corrected they were, that. They were geared towards Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were not right. geared towards Tua Tagovailoa. Right. But at the same time, do you think this group? Who's winning outside in this group? It's a quite. It's a major question mark. Right. So major that that's mark. that's the part for me where it's like, man, at least you had some outside receivers in Miami. Like they they, sure. they weren't separators. But they, they were guys who could win outside, outside against yeah. press coverage, and you're playing in a division that's got two out of the other three teams with really quality play in the secondary, and the safeties that Buffalo has are super physical and good in coverage, and Miami obviously with their outside guys, pending what happens with Xavier Howard. So uh, we always talk about the, the pathway to the postseason first and foremost leads through the division and, and performing well against your division opponents because you play them each twice. And that is an area of their game. If you're going to start a rookie quarterback against Sean McDermott defense, against a Brian Flores defense, that might be a tough part of the process for him as far as the receivers that they do have and winning against the coverage threats that these AFC East teams have. So, but the tight ends are phenomenal. James White out of the backfield is going to be phenomenal. I'm sure they'll find a way to balance it well with play action passing and getting the linebackers to suck up and hitting the tight ends in the middle of the field or underneath when teams are sinking, when they're taking their deep shots. So there's going to be ways for them to work around it. But I do look at their wide receivers and think it can be a very problematic piece of the puzzle. Do you think there is a single weapon on this offense that gets over 100 targets for the season this year? Aguilar, maybe. I mean, they they're paying him thirteen per. They're paying him handsomely, right? Yeah. So I think there's a reasonable chance Nelson Aguilar gets a lot of targets because he can line up in the slot. He's going to have to line up some outside. Um, and if he's a guy that they're taking a couple shots down the field with per game, in addition to over the middle of the field, and he's running over routes from the slot and all that kind of stuff. I could see him getting 100 targets. Yeah, well, I, I I worry about them being a very much a run-first approach and then wanting to get those tight ends involved that you've also paid pretty handsomely. You know, are they going to – is there going to be enough footballs to go around for somebody to get 100 targets? Uh, probably not <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But um, they'll what be What was balanced. your grade here? I gave it a three. I gave it a three as well. Okay. Yeah. So defense. I think it's fascinating defensively for them because they have a lot of new pieces, right? And they were not shy about spending money this offseason, and that extends to the defensive side of the football with Matt Judon, who they brought in and, and paid a handsome amount of money to, and they paid Devon Godshaw a strong amount to come play up front and uh, try and be a run stuffer in the middle for them. What's going to happen with Stephon Gilmore? Obviously, he showed up to camp, or he showed up to whatever their event was earlier this week he partook in, but he's communicated that he has not been happy with his contract situation. So something to monitor there. But it's a Bill Belichick defense, and they upgraded the defense. It's I think the concern is early in the season, how long does it take some of these new pieces to settle in and get their feet underneath of them? But in the grand scheme of things, the Bill Belichick defense, I'm never going to bet being anything less than very good 
so I gave this group a four. Yeah, I gave them a four as well, Kyle. How do you not love this secondary? It's absolutely loaded. And then up front, I mean, like you mentioned, Judon's here, but if they can get a step forward from either Josh Uch or, or Chase Winovich and really give this team more in the pass rush department, I mean that's gonna go that's gonna go a long way for a team that didn't get a ton of sacks last year. So well, and they lost Adam Butler inside too. Yeah. Which is another piece that hurt. I was surprised they paid uh, Godshell what they yeah. did, considering he's not that player at all. Nope. I, I'm guessing you'll see some some three man fronts for this team a, a fair amount. But I mean, best defensive mastermind in the history of the game with with a lot of his pieces back, a lot more talent on this defense collectively than he had last year. I think it's a four. It's it's definitely something where. I don't think it's going to put unnecessary stress on, on Mac and the offense to produce because they're going to play sound defense every week. Survey says grand total. 24 and a half. 23 and a half. So this was my number one, barely. I, I had this at 24 and a half. Trey Lance at 24. I had Trey Lance at 23. So we had the same split. Patriots one, San Francisco two separated by a half a point. I was just a point lower on each of them than you were. Which is interesting because those are the two destinations that took basically a one-year starter, right? Trey Lance, one year at North Dakota State. Mac Jones, one year at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Now, in those one years, I mean, could you have had more success? I don't think so, right? right. For both of those guys. But for guys that just, again, reps and, and passing attempts aren't there, the teams that brought in those players surely – got things right for them to come in and, and have their best chance to succeed in my mind. And then in behind that, you, you had Jacksonville above Justin Fields. I had Jacksonville, 19.75 Justin Fields in Chicago, 18.75 mm. and Zach Wilson at a 12. I had Justin Fields third on my list at 20 and a half. Trevor Lawrence fourth at 16 and a half and Zach Wilson, 13 and a half Jets fans. Please note, Chris, including you, I'm higher than Joe on the Jets. <laughs> well, here, and I'll also say this. Um, I have, we have a lot of wonderful listeners that listen to Draft Dudes, but then also Locked On Bills and I'm sure Locked On Dolphins. And so they asked me to do this for Josh Allen going back to 2018. And I'm pretty sure that I totaled that up at 11 and a half. So obviously Josh was able to overcome just a dreadful situation there's in 2018. Hope. So there's yeah, there, hope. There, there is hope. Yes. Okay. Well, that's uh, any parting thoughts before the, the week comes to a close guys. Camps here, man. It's very exciting. It's a very exciting time with training camp right around the corner. And uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Friday episode this series in the books Kyle Krabs Joe Marino Chris Schubert thanks as always for listening to Drafties podcast we hope you guys have a great weekend and we will talk to you again on Monday